Welcome to The Dig, a podcast from Jacobin Magazine. My name is Daniel Denver, and I'm broadcasting from Providence, Rhode Island. Today's episode is an extremely short one to let you know about a great new documentary about the history and present of American socialism, The Big Scary S-Word. It's by Yael Bridge, and it's a great film to show to your skeptical uncle or to anyone new to or curious about socialist politics who's trying to figure out what is going on, what it's all about, etc. You can watch The Big Scary S-Word on iTunes or Apple TV or a number of other platforms by visiting socialismmovie.com slash screenings. That's socialismmovie.com slash screenings. I will include a link to that in the show notes. Okay, here's Jael Bridge, an Emmy-nominated documentary filmmaker. Her first feature, The Big Scary S-Word, traces the history and resurgence of socialism in the United States. Yael Bridge, welcome to The Dig. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Your original title, if I remember correctly, was Socialism, an American Story. And anti-socialist and anti-communist politics in the U.S. have, of course, always framed socialism with a nativist lens as this threat of foreign origin. Why did you decide that it was important to remind Americans interested in socialism that there's this long history of socialist politics right here in the U.S.? Yeah, well, there's an easy answer and <laughs> like a more thoughtful answer. The easy answer for that title is that we were running a Kickstarter campaign while we were still filming. I needed to, <laughs> which I, which is like an unfortunate way that most documentaries are funded is your fundraising while you're out there shooting, which depending on your topic can be pretty tricky. So I'm trying to get into spaces and interviews with people that if they do a quick Google of me, I don't want them to see the film and play my hand so much of what, what the film's politics are going to be. So we were trying to think of the most anodyne, Ken Burnsian, boring title we could think of. So we were like, oh, socialism, an American story. You could be Dinesh D'Souza, you could be Dan Denver, like that's not going to throw you <laughs> with that title. So that is why that was our original title. But to your point about um, <laughs> the American tradition, yeah, people always talk about these politics as of being foreign and of foreign import and not native to this country. And that felt really harmful. And so we really wanted to place these politics like squarely in the American tradition. And so we didn't talk about anything international in this film at all. And so, you know, I have a really easy answer when people say, oh, what about Venezuela? Or like, did you talk about whatever? And I go, that's not this film. This film is only about American socialism. And so what other people might want to call their politics in another country that has nothing to do with this, with this project? Yeah, I mean, people like to point to the situation in Venezuela or various bad things that have happened under actually existing state communism in the past, but also American socialists in the United States have long looked overseas for inspiration, whether to the Soviet Union early in the 20th century, for some people through the mid-20th century, decolonizing Africa, China, Latin America, all over the place, less often perhaps to the United States. What, what do you think American socialists or just I guess, American viewers of your documentary more generally gain from understanding this very long history of 
socialist politics in the United States? I want to go back to my previous answer and also say it's not just negative stereotypes, but also positive stereotypes. So we talk about, oh, well, look at Scandinavia. And I, to your point, wanted to be like, we don't need to look anywhere else, you know, for examples of success. And how empowering might that be if we said, oh, no, like this is deeply American. But it feels like if we can tap into this sort of pride or national identity to say, actually, it is incumbent upon us to continue pushing those boundaries of democracy and how can we expand it sort of beyond certainly like the ballot box to economics and banking and all these other other systems. What was the most surprising instance of socialism being a part of mainstream American politics in a way that it really wasn't for at least the last half century or or longer. What was the most surprising instance of prior to, say, the McCarthyite reaction, Red Scare, et cetera, of socialism really being a major force within within U.S. politics? Yeah. I mean, I think probably certainly looking at Wisconsin, Milwaukee specifically, and their slew of socialist mayors, but also seeing how Milwaukee had a socialist mayor while McCarthy was in the Senate doing all the red baiting and this idea of these two polar opposites coinciding at the same time, that it's not it's not a trajectory from one ideology leading into another, but sort of this co- coexistence um, simultaneously, I think about a lot especially in contemporary politics, when thinking about like, what direction are we going in? Oh, no, we have always been full of these dualities and these contradictions. And not that can be inspiring and also depressing, depending on what side you're on at any given moment. Your film combines all of this history with portrayals of and interviews with socialists in the present, including a black Oklahoma public school teacher named Stephanie Price. Who is Stephanie Price? And how does she encounter socialism as part of her struggle for education funding as a unionized teacher in a Republican-dominated state? It's not the sort of place where one that one thinks of as being some sort of hotbed of, of renewed socialist politics these days. No, they, they don't. <laughs> and we didn't. Though I was excited when the teacher strike started happening to go to Oklahoma, because Oklahoma does have this rich socialist history that we tried for a while to bring into the film, and it just didn't didn't quite land. But it used to have, be a strong bed of, of socialism in Oklahoma, and that's certainly not part of Stephanie's tradition. She, you know, she was like a good Democrat and, you know, struggling to live on her salary as a public school teacher. She's a speech pathologist. She also had another part-time job and she had just filed for bankruptcy, like right before we started filming. Like she was really not able to make it. And many teachers in Oklahoma can't and, and are not. And, and were at that point moving to, to Texas and other states just next door where they would be paid a lot more. And I should say Stephanie no longer lives in Oklahoma because it was just so financially unviable. She wasn't calling herself a socialist at that time. She said that she took one of those like political quizzes that where you would answer uh, online like a bunch of questions about your politics and then it would tell you who your candidate was. And it told her her candidate was Bernie and that she was a socialist and she was surprised <laughs> by that. <laughs> but she wasn't calling herself a socialist at all when we were filming. But as it happens, um, when people are involved in strikes, you know, she became radicalized. Her union was pretty disappointing 
in their strike. Um, they didn't gain anything from their strike and they capitulated in her mind and mine, <laughs> like prematurely. Um, and that was it for her to say, oh, looking around the room and saying no one is doing anything. I guess, I guess it's got to be me. She said it so eloquently in the film. It was really powerful um, to be in the room with her where she had that realization. She was like looking through her phone to who could I call to keep the strike going, even if our union president is saying it's over and realizing, oh, I guess I guess I have to. I need to be the one. I need to make some changes. Who did you make the film for? You know, we started making this film several years ago and the impetus was really just Bernie's success in the 2016 primary. And how many people were like, oh, I like what Bernie's saying, but it's just not practical. Like, we have to vote for Hillary because that's possible. Like, what Bernie's saying, I like the ideas, but it just is unrealistic. And, and, and I had so many friends that were like that, and my, my parents were like that, and the community that I grew up in, which I thought was very progressive, suddenly they were talking to me about <laughs> how we need to be realistic. And I just was like, what are you talking about? That's not realistic. What's realistic is continuing what we're doing. Like, that's what's unrealistic, thinking that, you know, Hillary Clinton is somehow <laughs> like a more practical option for the viability of our planet. So it was made for socialist curious people, like not for DSA members or anything like that, but for, but I, you know, but they are, I'm excited that chapters are using the film and political education along those lines, but really so that when people Google what is socialism, because I think also 2016, that was the most Googled word in the country was, was socialism. And so- Too bad you didn't make the documentary in 2016. Well, if I had had that foresight, <laughs> yeah, it would have been better. I think a lot about that. Uh, and then I try and cut myself down a few pegs, but I'm like, I could have changed the world. <laughs> but when you Google, you know, that there's not some long and, and maybe hard to understand Jacobin article, but oh, here's like, here's a movie. I mean, people- that's where a lot of people are getting their their information right now is watching documentaries. Um, and so to have something out there that would be easily accessible to provide some answers. You're obviously rather sympathetic to the story that you're telling, but given that we're that we've been friends for a long time, I also know that prior to making this film, you did not have a ton of background working with American socialist politics or groups like DSA. Was it difficult as a sympathetic outsider? for you to navigate all of the various, sometimes weird, <laughs> sometimes arcane currents that make up American socialism, for better or for worse, and to present a portrayal of American socialism that would resonate across all these divides and also, at the same time, make sense to the audience that you're really trying to reach, which is people with no particular background in socialism at all. I think I was very lucky to have you know, supportive friends as guides <laughs> who are already involved in the left who could help me navigate some of those undercurrents. Well, I guess I can say this. Like, I was not calling myself a socialist and was not a card-carrying member of DSA, but I had been involved in, in politics and in, in political filmmaking for my whole filmmaking career. So the last film that I made was called Saving Capitalism, which was with Robert Reich, <laughs> who was the labor secretary under Clinton. And that was a documentary that was mostly talking about the rules and regulations of our political economy. And Bob talks a lot about how the system got rigged and that was the trajectory of that film. But before that, I did a documentary on the radical feminist movement of the late 60s. And I did a documentary about the Yippies. And so without calling myself a socialist, I don't 
feel that leftist movements were foreign to me. That is a, a world that I that I had been living in and steeped in at various points. So that was not new territory. And then in a lot of ways, I think not calling myself a socialist when I started the film was really helpful in understanding the different areas and not getting stuck in any of the pitfalls or politics or some of the inner workings uh, that people can sometimes get loops in. Uh, I was able to have like a big tent understanding of what was going on without getting into oh, I don't agree with this person or co-ops aren't socialism or whatever. Like that wasn't my political project and thinking about the audience specifically, like making a film that you can send to your uncle before Thanksgiving or something where like that type of, of discrepancy isn't going to isn't going to help the project. You made this documentary about socialism within a documentary industry that is most definitely ordered by capitalist principles. Is this documentary industry conducive to making docs like the one you made? <laughs> no. Uh, no, the documentary industry is not conducive to making this documentary. I mean, it is not it is not an industry that really makes any money at all, which is hard to understand, especially in the in when everyone is streaming and there's more documentaries that are made than ever on Netflix. And everyone is making documentaries. Like 20 years ago, it was just PBS and HBO a little bit. And now you know, there's a million different channels, but mostly documentaries don't make money and they're funded by grants that don't come up with the budgets and then in an individual wealthy donor. So we were able to to run two successful Kickstarters, which was great to get more people involved because we were not able to really find any. There's no rich socialists that were excited um, about funding this film. So that part is hard and it is hard for the industry in general. You know, I'm in a in a group of independent documentary producers and it's a thing that we're talking about and is there a way for this doesn't address funding but just like equity within the industry and you know, we're a notoriously ununionized industry. You know, IATSE is about to go on strike. Maybe they're voting this weekend and th- those are all union organized jobs in 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 Hollywood and movie like fiction world which isn't a part of documentary at all. Well, Yael Bridge, thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. It was a pleasure. Yael Bridge is an Emmy-nominated documentary filmmaker. Her first feature, The Big Scary S-Word, traces the history and resurgence of socialism in the United States. Thank you for listening to The Dig from Jacobin Magazine. As Marx once said, after noting that labor in a white skin can't emancipate itself or it is branded in a black skin, while other podcasts have only interpreted the world in various ways, our point is to change it. We're posting new episodes every week. The Dig was produced by Alex Lewis and recorded at WBRU in Providence. Music by Jeffrey Brodsky. Our communications coordinators are Tamuz Frankel and Gemma Sack. Our senior advisor is Thea Riafrancos. Check out our vast archives at thedigradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at thedigradio, same on Facebook. And please find us wherever you get podcasts and subscribe. If it is on iTunes, you can also leave us a nice review. Those reviews help introduce us to new listeners. But what really and truly does that is you telling your friends about the podcast, why you like The Dig, why they will like The Dig, etc. Please make propaganda for us. And do find us at patreon.com and make a monthly contribution to keep this operation up and running strong. Even a few bucks a month is huge. Thank you.